You're listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. Well, I can sincerely say that some of my earliest memories are about Christmas. And I expect that's true for you too. Short days, cosy, dark nights, Christmas decorations pinned to the ceiling, making us feel we were in a Woolworth-sponsored forest canopy. <laughs> Late nights, probably looking back as an adult, slightly tipsy parents, I'm not sure if my mum's here tonight, but sorry mum, uh, who laughed more easily and let us get away with a bit more than usual. And then the seemingly endless Christmas Eve night, which I'm sure I never slept through, and yet, mysteriously, magically, at some point, my pillowcase, uh, not stocking in our house, my pillowcase was filled with stuff sometime around midnight. And then the earliest wake-up we could get away with, the rush downstairs, and there, under the tree, in the glow of the fairy lights, a pile of presents. All of those things work together to make Christmas magical and to ensure that the memories have lodged in my mind. But the main event, the main event was the opening, the presents. Not the things themselves, really, not the pound shop headphones or the Old Spice (laughs) gift set. (laughs) But the family, all one time in a year, really together. And the joy-filled exchange of gifts, fulfilling the promises that the coziness had whispered, making all the the cold and the dark of winter worthwhile. But... As good as those memories are, as a church pastor, I have a confession to make, a slight sense of guilt about my childhood feelings about Christmas. I just hated all the churchy stuff. Um, you wouldn't have caught me dead at a cow service two days before Christmas. <laughs> or anything. I, I could just about handle the Christingle at the local parish church because at least as a child you got something nice, even if it was just Dolly mixture and randomly an orange but oh how I resented the two hours of Christmas day that were about Jesus when we had to go to church it felt like the childhood equivalent of someone snatching away your second glass of sherry and giving you a cup of lukewarm caffeine free diet coke instead (laughs) Where, where did my lovely thing go and then behind all that some vague authority figure real or just conjured up I can't honestly tell you of someone saying, Christmas isn't about presents, it's about Jesus. Well, as a child, those tangible things, the dark and the warmth and the fun, were far more powerful to me than the idea of God. Yet I think in those early earthly loves, I was closer to the truth than I could have guessed at the time. Because what I felt around the Christmas tree as we gave and received and opened present after present is a wonderful example of the life that each of us was designed for and each of us deep down longs for. We were made to give and to receive, to experience constant gift giving. Life itself is found in this exchange. In fact, I would say God designed us to be so saturated with the experience of receiving gifts from him that we would feel so valued, so loved, so full of beauty and goodness that our hearts would overflow in turn 
with gifts to God and to each other. You are made in God's image. That's what the Bible says. That can conjure up all kinds of thoughts. But here is one of the best ways of understanding it. You were made for this kind of life. Giving and receiving. Because that's who God is. He is an eternal exchange of gift and reception, delight and return, and the overflow of joy in the three persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in that eternal exchange that we call love is life itself. Now, at this point, you might start to feel how I felt in church on Christmas morning all those years ago, that we're getting away from the good stuff, the stuff we can touch and see and eat and unwrap. But my point is simply this. That moment of swapping Christmas gifts, whenever it happens for you, Christmas Eve night, Christmas morning, after lunch, that moment is wonderful, not just because of the atmosphere of Christmas, not the nostalgia or the excitement. It's wonderful because we are acting out the life of God to some degree. Like a raindrop that falls in bright sunlight, for a moment we are filled with something far greater than ourselves, and our souls shine with it. This connection between God's life and what we call good is so important because it's designed to lead you to him. We know this because as good as good things are, they don't in the end satisfy on their own. If it were actually Christmas every day, we would not be infinitely happy as we imagine as children. We would be stuffed and, f- and broke and tired and diabetic. <laughs> as good as any good thing is, it also leaves us wanting more, like a sign that points beyond itself. The present giving gives way to bin bags full of wrapping paper, the cosy morning to the dull grey December sky, the joyful feast to sugar-saturated children bouncing off the walls. But that change, that dissipation of the good is by design. The great Christian Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee, O Lord. And the author C.S. Lewis saw this restlessness, this unsatisfaction, as one of the great proofs of God's existence. He found within himself an appetite that nothing could satisfy. And he said, we know that water exists because we thirst. We know that food exists because we hunger. And we know that God exists because nothing else will fill us. Only when we come to know him do we find the something that we long for. If you know that goodness, that Christmas morning goodness that I'm talking about, God is inherently inviting you through it to follow where it leads. Like someone who discovers a river and can follow it to, a, to the source, God says, follow this goodness until you find where it all comes from. So then here is the first point. The good things, Christmas or anything else, that you all know and enjoy come from Jesus. And they point to Jesus. But they're not merely a signpost, as if having them 
Uh, having noticed which way they point, we must now leave good things behind. They do not, as my younger self feared, lead us away from those things we enjoy into the tedium of church and abstract spirituality. <laughs> How silly I was as a child to think that God would work like that. Because this is the truth. In receiving Jesus, you receive everything else you long for. You know that you're surrounded by gifts, don't you? The gift of life itself, the miracle of our being, of our bodies, of friendship, of love, of marriage, of children and family. The gifts of beauty and the stars or the mountains or the rivers, the world around us. You know, just this morning, I was walking my dog and thinking how short the days were. And just the thought struck me, you know, the minor fluctuation in the length of days we experience in this country, the little dips in temperature are because this giant ball of rock that we're on is flying tens of thousands of miles closer to the sun. I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it? There's goodness. Mountains, rivers, oceans or forests or desert or even in culture, in peace and in prosperity. We know these gifts are all around us. Yet most of the time, most of the time, we cannot appreciate them. Like We're like blind men who know that the descriptions they hear of their surroundings are right, but we cannot see the whole picture. And stumbling one by one from one thing to the next with great frustration, we, we take hold of the good and we say, allow us to be found it, and we enjoy it for a moment. And then we put it down and we move on. Day to day, we are deeply unaffected by the cascade of gifts that shower upon us. We find ourselves numb to them or distracted from them or obsessed with negative things. And this blindness is what Jesus came to heal. This is what God achieved when he became a man, when he lived our life and gave his life on a cross. When you come to know Jesus, your eyes are opened and you can see the endless message of God to you written in everything and every moment of life. My child, I love you. I love you. And more, even more than that, as our eyes are opened, our tongues are loosed and our broken limbs are made whole. And we find that not only can we receive, but we can give ourselves in return and know the very life of God. So let me finish with a question to you this evening. If putting aside your own preconceptions of what it means to be a Christian or to know Jesus, someone were to simply offer you the gift of being able to appreciate and live according to the gifts, the goodness that surrounds you each day, what would you say? If you want that, then it's Jesus your heart longs for. That is what it means to be a Christian. Slowly but surely, Jesus changes you until that magic gift-exchanging moment of Christmas expands to fill every part of life. Christmas is all about Jesus, and it's all about presence. Perhaps I could invite you to do something decisive today in response to what I've said. Uh, now is a good time, as good a time as any. You could speak to someone you know and say, 
I want to become a Christian. Or you could just come and tell me after the service. Or perhaps you want to come and see more or hear more. Maybe something's made sense, but not the whole thing. Come to church. Come next Sunday or come the Sunday afterwards. That's decisive enough. Maybe you've been away from God for a while, but of course you've grown restless without him. Come back. Find rest. Whatever it is, do something to get to know Jesus. Because wrapped up in swaddling clothes and laid in an animal trough for you, wrapped up in grave clothes and laid in a tomb for you, Jesus is the gift who, if you receive him, will enable you to receive all things. May your dark, short winter days be filled with the light of Christ. Merry Christmas.